Bible that you brought from home or the one that you might find in the, the chairs, there are Bibles, yay, hundreds of Bibles out in the, in the chairs out there. Let's make use of them this morning. Open one up to Colossians chapter 2. And I encourage you to keep the Bible open during the rest of the message this morning. I'll be referring to this passage as we, as we go along. I'm going to begin at verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2. Listen for the word of God. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have come to fullness in him, who is the very head of every ruler and authority. In him you also were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, Father, we pray that as we consider together what you would have us know today that you would carry your word to the, the farthest reaches of our hearts, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, teach us what you want us to know specifically for this week, for this day, for we ask it through Christ. Amen. It's been said that this passage in Colossians is one of the most difficult to understand in the whole New Testament. Heavy sigh. <laughs> At the same time, Colossians chapter 2 is, is rich with images and also deep in, in, in its complexity of what it says about Jesus Christ. So we will in some ways be merely scratching the surface of these 10 verses today, but let's begin in this way. When I was 12 almost 13 years old, I began my seventh grade year at Chinook Junior High in Bellevue, Washington. Starting junior high is a scary thing, especially uh, since we didn't know when we went to Chinook Junior High. We didn't know our class schedules until you went to a registration line the first day. They lined everybody up and you got a piece of paper. You didn't know what was going to happen until you got your piece of paper. 
Seventh grade, seventh grade is tough. I'm going to tell you, not only do you have to get up and, 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 and move every hour to a different room, you know, class to class, unlike the, the staid tranquility of the sixth grade, where you go to one class and you stay there all day. But in addition to that, there's no recess. I really missed recess. It was, that was tough. So you go to school, you got a backpack, or maybe you just carry a bunch of, a big pile of books and notebooks, peaches. Anybody know what peaches are? Yeah, you just showed how old you are. Okay. And, you know, it, 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 they do give you a locker, which would be cool if it wasn't so difficult to remember the combination. Half the time, I would stand in front of my locker for five minutes and then finally just walk away in disgust because I couldn't get it open. So on top of all of these troubles, the schedule in, in my school at Chinook Junior High changed every day. This was somebody's great idea. We needed to have seven periods, but there's only six hours. So on Monday, you had periods one, two, three, four, five, six. On Tuesday, Two, three, four, five, six, one. No, two, three, four, five, six, seven. As you can, as you can see, I was confused. Even, even now, I'm confused. Wednesday, three, four, five, six, seven, one. And and on it, on it went something like that. So into all of this stress and change and confusion, enter this bit of information. Whatever you do, don't get Miss Tam for homeroom. She's awful. People said, she's mean, she's unreasonable, she's hard, she's scary. So the stories I heard were enough to make even a tough seventh grader shake in his uh, saddle shoes. So imagine my terror when I got to the front of my registration line that first day and I looked down at my class schedule and I saw that name. Tam. T-A-M-M. For homeroom. Two hours every day, except for that one day when it was only one hour, and I don't remember which day that was. So, the first day was, it was intense. But it was kind of predictable, Aside from the fact that Miss Tam was actually a lot younger than I thought she would be, she was really scary. She laid down the law for her class on that first day, the rules. And even the, the really big football players and the, and the goofy class clown, was, was, they were very quiet and serious. She said, when it's time to work, it will be quiet. When I'm talking, you may speak only after you raise your hand and I call on you. This class will be difficult, she told us. Academically challenging and very difficult if you choose to mess around or disrespect your teacher or your fellow students. She called us by our last names, Mr. Mason, Miss Smith, Mr. Jones, 
Miss Tam didn't seem to care if we liked her or not. In fact, on that first day, it seemed like she preferred that to be disliked. And I remember thinking, this is going to be the worst year of my life. How am I going to survive in this class? You know, it's funny, but I, I think I only felt that way the first day. The rest of what I remember was what I learned. She taught us English grammar by comparing it to Spanish grammar. So we learned two languages at once. It was brilliant. And I remember the, I remember the fact that she had traveled widely, even though she was young. And, and so in social studies, when we talked about foreign lands, she showed us photographs that she had taken. She was enthusiastic about teaching, and it was contagious. And soon, she had a class full of learners, which is something for seventh grade. I also remember that the class bought her a wedding present. She got married at the end of that, that year. And I couldn't believe that in September I was so afraid of her. I even cried on the last day of school because it was over and it was so great. And I came to the conclusion that those people who gossiped about Miss Tam, they didn't really know her. When you knew who she was, she was great. That made all the difference, to really know who she was. Our passage this morning from Colossians makes a similar claim. Paul is wanting to make sure that the Colossians know who Jesus is. Truly know who he is. In some ways, this passage is central to the theme of this whole book and also to our series, Rooted Core Truths for a Confident Faith. In a sense, this week's topic, Jesus, is the taproot of these, this metaphorical tree that we're using as the image of this series. You know what a taproot is? On a root system like this, you don't see it on this tree, but on some trees, there's a root that goes straight down, and it goes, to the, goes just right under the tree, and it gets down to, the, to the, where the water is and where the nutrients are. There are actually some plants that are basically tap roots, and that's basically what they are. Um, there's one vegetable that we all probably eat a lot with lots of vitamin A in it. Carrots. Carrots a taproot. You want to picture that. Or when you're fighting against the dandelions in your, in your yard and you find that they're so difficult to pull out, you know why they're so difficult? It's a taproot. This really, really strong root that goes right down. If you tear the top of a dandelion off, it just keeps growing because of that taproot. There are certain trees that have taproots. Hickory trees, conifer trees, oak trees, pine trees, walnut trees. I'm talking like I know a lot about trees. I don't. <laughs> but this, this image of a taproot, 
What we believe about Jesus goes to the very core of our faith. If we get this wrong, nothing else stands. Our faith is not stable. So we need an accurate understanding of what the scriptures teach about Jesus. And to have this accurate understanding about Jesus, this is to be truly rooted to have a kind of taproot in your faith. Now, why is Paul talking about this? Scholars note that it is possible that there were some people in or around the church he's writing to, at Colossae, there's some people who were saying inaccurate things about Jesus. Things like, oh, Jesus is okay, but he's not really fully divine. He's not really God. He's a good man, a prophet, a teacher, but that's it. Or perhaps they were saying, Jesus is a God among many other gods. Or they were saying, Jesus was fully God, the Son of God, but his presence on earth was really just an illusion. He's like a phantom. All of these are possibilities of the things that were maybe being taught in the church in Colossae. And Paul is concerned that the people in this church not listen to these inaccurate descriptions of Jesus. And in verse 8, we hear Paul describing them as philosophical, merely human. They may be trying to deceive these folks with big words and intellectual double talk. And Paul tells them not to let that happen. And then in verse 9, these key words, and this is see some of the most important words in the New Testament right here, verse 9. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. Jesus, fully human and fully divine. This means that he was a human being just like you and me and he is over all powers and rulers and authorities. Verse 10, fully God. Paul is saying, know who Jesus is. It will make all the difference in your life and the life of your church. He is fully human and fully divine at the same time. This is who Christ is. Now, we could spend years, literally, studying this mystery and trying to understand it. Perhaps some of you will. It's called Christology. Very important subject within Christian theology. Who is Christ? But Paul doesn't linger here in this letter. He moves right on to talk to the Colossians about how who Jesus is affects them in their lives. It's very practical. He says, you have come to fullness in him. And then in verses 11 through 15, he describes what it, mean, what's it, mean, what it means to be rescued from our sins through Jesus. So first, he's just emphasized Jesus' humanity and divinity, and now this. 
how we are rescued, how we're saved from our sins. And these are a part of the same picture for Paul. You see, the very fact that Jesus was human and God at the same time made him uniquely able to save us. Because he was human, he was able to identify with us completely. He, he, he lived this earthly, earthy life. He experienced pain and heartache along with joy and happiness. Jesus was, was tempted to sin just as we are. And yet, he did not sin. He lived fully and yet perfectly. Then at the same time, as fully divine, he is able to reach out to us with the power necessary to bring us to God. He conquered death when he died on the cross. He conquered sin. He conquered the evil force of this world. And there's no way that he could do that if he weren't fully God. All-powerful God. Now, to me, the amazing thing about this topic is that it continues to be the central question when it comes to issues of faith. Who is Jesus? You may find yourself in a scenario where this topic comes up. And, and this is actually one of the central goals of our, of our series in these weeks. That we give you some tangible resources for conversations about faith. Especially today concerning Jesus. So let's, let's, let's look at this from a couple possible scenarios. Situations. Let's say that you're talking to someone at work and the subject of faith comes up. And you find that your friend is very, very enthusiastic about her church, and then she asks you all sorts of questions about your faith experience. And you find yourself wondering about your friend's church, and you'd like to know is your co-worker's church's theology kind of in harmony with, with mainline Christianity? Because you're not sure. So one way to do this is to ask her what her church says about who Jesus is. Is Jesus fully God and fully human? It's a great question. Nine times out of ten, this one question helps cut through a lot of misunderstandings and, and semantic struggle when we're, when we're talking with folks. There are groups, there are religious groups, um, I'm saying and maybe in quotes, church groups that spin this differently. In some ways, not a lot has changed in 2,000 years. <laughs> Jesus, that Jesus is fully divine and fully human is one of the pillars upon which uh, Orthodox Christianity uh, and theology is based. It's often the dividing line between what makes a church Christian or otherwise. So simply ask, what, what does your church teach about Jesus? Is he, is he both fully human and fully divine? You'll have an interesting conversation. <laughs> so another helpful question is, is whether the group in question holds to the Apostles' Creed. How many of you have memorized the Apostles' Creed? Yeah, quite a few. Um, 
but for centuries, this creed has been part of a, really been a sort of plumb line for the church has come back to over and over again as a way of identifying the essential tenets of the faith. And most often here at Mountain View, we actually sing the creed. But in a lot of churches, you say the creed. I think we have it here this morning. Why don't we say it together? This is really the good, good exercise. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This, is, this statement, this creed, is really held to by, by those Christian denominations that are, that are central and are, are really in the, in the Orthodox tradition. It's a great way to find out whether, where, where a church is at. Okay, another scenario. Let's say you're in a conversation with someone at, at school or at work, and you mention your church, and the person asks, hey, why do you believe in God? What convinced you to have faith? What do you say? Talk about Jesus. Talk about your experience of discovering who Jesus is. Talk about what you learned this morning. Colossians 2.9 For in Jesus the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This means that Jesus is not some far off God, but is able to know what my life is like in a personal way. And is at the same time Powerful enough to, to do miracles, to make things happen, to change things. Talk about Jesus. It's amazing how just the mention of that name, Jesus, can bring power and authenticity into a conversation. I, you know, sometimes I just cringe when I hear Christians talking about their faith in God but they never mention Jesus. In fact, when somebody asks these days, when somebody asks what I believe, these, these days I'm, I say I'm a disciple of Jesus rather than using the, the word Christian. In this postmodern culture, many people have inaccurate negative ideas about what the word Christian means but they may more quickly understand the terminology disciple of Jesus or follower of Jesus. Jesus, folks, it's all about Jesus. He walked this earth as a human, fully divine. He came to this earth as God, fully human. Now, this is difficult. 
It, it took the, the early church nearly 350 years to finally come up with the, a way of articulating what they believed in terms of Christology. It is difficult, but it's also basic. I remember about 10 years ago, a little more, there was a television show called Joan of Arcadia. Any of you remember Joan of Arcadia? I found it fascinating, uh, and it was a bit odd also. In, in this TV show, uh, God appears to this 16-year-old girl. God actually appears in the form of several different people. In fact, it was a different person every week, in every episode. First, it was a young man. Then it was a lady serving in the school lunch line. It was a street sweeper, driver. There was an electrician working on a street lamp. My, my personal favorite was uh, God appeared to her in a little girl, as a little girl on a playground. And the interesting thing to me was how I reacted to God appearing in human form. I didn't like it at first. I was watching the show because I kind of wanted to be informed, but I, was, I really was bothered. God as a human? No, it can't be right. Something's wrong with this picture. But then I began to think, oh, there it is. <laughs> This is what they struggled with in Jesus' day. That God could be incarnate as a real human. This is why most of them missed him. They, they just couldn't believe it. This man, God? There's no way. Now on the other hand, Many of us struggle with the opposite side of the question. Jesus' humanity. We can't imagine, for instance, Jesus as a baby. Deity in diapers. <laughs> as he was in Bethlehem. We struggle to explain why Jesus did not know when he would return. We enter into all sorts of theological wrangling to explain why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me when he was on the cross? There is a tension in our understanding of Jesus as fully human and fully divine. It's a little uncomfortable at times. But it's also the reason he could save us. He knows our plight and he has the power to do something about it. There are those who say that Jesus was something that he wasn't. And just as my experience in my seventh grade year with that teacher, uh, when I got to know her, it shifted. The same is true for those who truly meet Jesus and get to know him in relationship with him. And those of us who are walking with him every day, we have a special calling to talk about this Jesus that we know. So friends, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus 
the Lord. Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this passage of Scripture. It is difficult. But when it comes right down to it, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be centered on Jesus Christ. That you would give us the, the boldness to speak his name. That you would give us clarity to be able to proclaim that you, Jesus, are fully human. You were fully human and fully divine at the same time. And that we owe our life to you. Lord, as we bring our offerings to you today, we do so in, in worship and in gratitude. We give our lives to you in this time of worship and offering. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.